You and I long for the new heavens and the new earth. The good news is our wait is soon over. Things will be far better than normal. That's an Olympic moment. I'm Charles Morris at haventoday.org. Changing lives, line by line and verse by verse. The Way, 101.1. Current events. Personal values. Political and social issues. Technology, wars and tensions. Join us for the next hour to discuss and learn how the things happening in our world today point to God's prophetic word as signs of the times. There's backtracking on Temple Mount Freedom, but there's no backing down on who owns real estate on the Temple Mount. The bombardment of messages to get vaccinated continues while China wants to bomb Japan. We'll tell you why, and why so many natural disasters are happening in our world right now. That's just one of our listener questions we're going to answer directly and through the articles today with God's Word and Pastor Mark as we discuss... The Signs of the Times, our weekly look at Bible prophecy in the world's news for Friday, July 23rd, 2021, along with Mark Kirk, the senior pastor of Calvary Knoxville. I'm Greg Hilt, here to let you know that you can enjoy Signs of the Times anytime by downloading the Way Media app or visiting thewaymedia.net. Just look for Signs of the Times right there. And today's broadcast will transform into podcast 177 which you can subscribe through uh, to through Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or Stitcher. And if you don't subscribe to our podcast, we won't threaten to shut down the economy. <laughs> but if you want to read the articles for each show, you'll have to visit thewaymedia.net or download the very handy WayMedia app, which, by the way, we are over a 1,000 uh, users on the app uh, right now, which That's is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, we get no money for that. It's just it's encouraging to see in our statistics say not only are people downloading the app, but they're consuming the content out there. We couldn't be more thrilled uh, because it's just uh, building people up with the Word of God. And there's a lot of content out there yeah. just besides our program that you're listening to right now or watching, which is Signs of the Times. So, yeah, and with the ability to shut down the economy, you wield a lot more power than I thought of there, Greg. <laughs> this show does. I didn't realize that we do we will uh, your more power uh yes anyway all right that's great uh, i'm glad we're not doing that no it's a good thing we're not going to no do that. we are not going to do that all right that's good uh, that's because we need our economy yes we do yes we do You've got mail. this is our truth in 10 segment this is your, your opportunity to send pastor mark your prophecy or bible question and have pastor mark answer it in 10 minutes or less and we've got lots of them this week pastor mark yes our first question comes from nikki and Nikki's question has to do with the New World Order. Now, what Nikki did is Nikki sent us a link to a website, which um, our video producer, Caleb, has no doubt got on the screen right now for you uh, because he's awesome like that. Uh, and she says, please review uh, the article and specifically the news clip from Australia and let me know your thoughts. Yeah. And, and, and I can see that the link says Australia announces beginning of a new world order. So yeah. Yeah. are they, and is Australia, do you really see them? We know there's going to be a new world order right, prophetically, right, but right. are they a, are they really a player in it? No, they're not really a large player to, to bring about a new world order. What they're doing is though, they're certainly encouraging it and they're influencing it to move forward. They're kind of like one of the first ones to say, well, we're going to do it whether the rest of the world does or not. And uh, so, so basically, I guess to sum it up quickly, then I'll talk for a little bit more about it. But to sum this particular question up quickly is this isn't really going to be, I don't think, the beginning of the world coming together in a new world order. But it certainly is the, the tide turning. It certainly is the uh, world mindset turning. Uh, we are going toward a new world order. And they basically have just said, hey, we're going to do this whether the rest of the world does or not. And they can't really bring it about or make it happen. But again, it is the spirit of Antichrist. 
it is the first, uh, you know, that you see of people actually saying we're going to implement new things and we're just going to start this new world order because of COVID and what's happening in the world and all that. And again, we've talked, Greg, about the fact that COVID and all this has been a huge catalyst in bringing the world together to think of oneness. That is, we need to work together as a team. And you guys have seen the campaigns in the news. You know, we're all in this together. Let's be one. That's the spirit of Antichrist. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing wrong in being in something together and being one to fight a problem. I'm all for that. But there's a spirit behind this that is culminating in things such as, hey, we're doing the new world order here in Australia. And and I was hearing just today, I mean, it's getting so bad over there now, Greg, as far as the totalitarian mindset and the new world order mindset yeah. again yeah. Uh, there was one guy on the radio saying you know i used to encourage people to go there on vacation he said i can't do that anymore he said it's 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 like a total becoming a totalitarian state uh the masks all the rules all the guidelines the mindset of now the control so it is kind of a, a little uh, microcosm of yeah. what we're going to see on a much larger scale. So I don't know that you could officially say this is the beginning of the New World Order, but I will say this is a microcosm of it. It's a snapshot of it, and it certainly is the headwinds of the Antichrist in the last days bringing the world to that. So it's interesting they're actually calling it that and, and moving in that direction. Yeah, it's really interesting when you think about controlling people that some of these mandates are you know controlling where you can go, how long you can go, how many people can go to these places. Yeah. Uh, what the requirements are for distancing, masking, you know, touching, whatever. I mean, yeah. we're talking about on a, a real uh, control freak level. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Again, All under the guise of safety, by the way. Oh, yeah. And see, this is yeah. it. Fear is a great motivator. Yeah. And we know that the spirit of Antichrist, there's a spiritual realm behind this, working this all with manipulating weak minds, those that are not saved. And when I say weak, I'm not name-calling. I don't mean that these aren't smart people. I'm saying they don't know Christ. They, their eyes, many, many people don't know the Lord. And because of that, they're easily manipulated by fear or the things they see around them. Because, Greg, think about it. If you didn't know the future and your eyes weren't illuminated by knowing the Lord— we would be more easily deceived no matter how intelligent we were. So these are oftentimes very intelligent people being very easily deceived. Pastor Mark, our next question comes from Jonathan, who uh, watches or listens to us in nearby Louisville, Tennessee, uh, as opposed to Louisville, because that's in Kentucky. That's right. Uh, And his question is about amillennialism, and basically he's just asking, what is amillennialism, and why is it true or not true? Yeah, this is... All the questions are great. I love this question because I know there's a lot of people out there with the same question. And so this is a great time to talk about explaining uh, the different viewpoints. Uh, there's uh, Millennial just means thousand years. It, it's it's talking about the thousand year reign of Christ. And so it's there, not the millennial generation that we make right, fun of today. Right. right. It's yes. not a generation yes. thing. It's yes. actually when you speak biblically, you're talking about a viewpoint. For example, premillennialism is what the Bible teaches. Uh, if you take it literally, and that is that the Lord's going to come back and rule and reign for a thousand years. And, and again, the Bible says he will do that. It talks about it in the book of Revelation as well as also in Isaiah 9 6. You know, the government will be upon his shoulders. I'll get back to that in just a moment. But then there's also awe millennialism. Um, awe means no. And so if literally, awe millennialism would be interpreted no millennium. Okay, so that's what it means. Now, uh, let me read the definition, and then uh, it, it kind of explains what they're, where they're coming from. Uh, it says, Amillennialism is the name given to the belief that there is not a literal thousand-year reign of Christ on the earth. The people who hold this belief are called amillennialists. The prefix a in amillennialism means no or not. Hence, amillennialism means no millennium. However, in fairness to the amillennialist, it goes on, they do not believe that there is no millennium at all. This is key here. They just do not believe in a literal thousand-year reign of Christ on the earth. Instead, they believe that Christ is currently in the millennial kingdom, sitting on the throne of David, and uh, that this present church age is the kingdom age, uh, which Christ reigns over. Um, And so they're saying basically... There is a thousand-year reign, but it's a spiritual thousand-year reign. It's not a literal thousand-year reign with Jesus sitting on a throne. Now, here, Greg, lies the problem of spiritualizing Scripture rather than taking it literally. If you take Scripture literally, it tells us exactly what the Bible says is true, and that is that Jesus Christ will come back. He will sit on the throne, a literal throne, in Israel for a thousand years, 
that's premillennialism. You know, that is, uh, we believe the Lord's going to come back. We're in pre, pre right now. He'll come back and then rule for a millennium. Um, he's going to come back, sit on the throne, rule for a thousand years. And again, it's the only way that scripture can come true based on Isaiah 9, 6, the famous Christmas passage. You know, it says on his shoulders, the government will be. So the government will rest upon the Messiah's shoulders. Here's the first question you talked about. Is it true? Is it not true? Why or why not? As we're answering this question, here's the first reason as to why the millennial is true and amillennial is false. First of all, amillennialism, that's hard to say, is not accurate. It is false. And the reason I believe it's false is because in Isaiah 9, 6, it says that the government has to be upon the shoulders of Jesus Christ. That has never happened. And if you say, well, it's, it's on his, he's doing it now. No, it's talking about in context on this earth. He's saying on this planet, he will rule for, he'll, the government will be on his shoulders. And then in Revelation, it says he will rule and reign for a thousand years, literally on this earth. So the Bible teaches a literal thousand year reign. If you spiritualize, now you've got to figure out what does it really mean. And now they're saying it really means he's ruling and reigning now on the throne of David from heaven. And we're now in the millennial kingdom. First of all, I would say to the second part of that question, uh, is it true? Why or why not? How are you enjoying the rulership of Jesus Christ over the earth? Is that going good for you? (laughs) I mean, I'm I'm trying not to be too facetious, Greg, but the bottom line is when you don't take the Bible literally, you get into all kinds of trouble theologically. And the problem here is this. It says that during the millennial kingdom, Satan is bound... That is, he's tied up and unable to even interact with mankind for that entire thousand years. Well, if Satan is bound right now, we've got a real problem. I mean, I think it's very clear to see that Satan is working very strongly all over the globe, all around the world. So if you believe that Satan is bound and there's no evil in the world, you can be an amillennialist. But if you see evil in the world and you see Satan at work, it's pretty much impossible to be the thousand-year reign of Christ. So, again... uh, People spiritualize, uh, they try to say that it means whatever. When you start to spiritualize and get away from the literal, it can mean whatever the person uh, giving the interpretation wants it to mean. And if they're good enough at forming their opinion or the way they present themselves and talk, you can believe them. But the reality is the Bible says, literally, Jesus Christ is coming back to rule and reign for a thousand years on this earth. And so uh, that, that would negate uh, millennialism. It would make it you know, false. And again, to say that we're in that now, and that Satan is bound, it's just absurd. So no, I do not believe that we're there, We're in the millennial. Uh, I do not believe in all millennialism. I do believe in a literal thousand-year reign, even as the Bible says there will be. And when he comes back, certainly Satan will be bound, and he'll be ruling the earth as he said. When you say spiritualize the Bible, is that another way of saying allegorizing the Bible or al- yeah, uh, taking go- taking it in, in an allegorical viewpoint right it's 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 the same thing it's the same idea yeah you can create an allegory about what it really means and paint this picture and then give it the spiritual meaning so you're spiritualizing and allegorizing or whatever but the reality is it, it obviously there's a spiritual nature to the bible and to the lord he's a spiritual being but his word um has to be taken literal or you won't understand it and by the way can you imagine if god didn't say what he meant and mean what he says, how would we know anything that's right or wrong? Really, when you get away from a literal interpretation of the Bible, anything goes, and everybody's confused. And so there's really only one way, and, and I want to challenge our listeners too, those that might be hearing this going, yeah, but I think there's other things. I know that God uses pictures and symbols and all those things. That's not taking away from the literalness. If God uses a, a vision or a symbol or a picture, You'll find this, it always has a literal meaning. Yes, God will use those types of things, Mm -hmm. but they always have a literal meaning. The problem with spiritualizing or allegorizing, uh, like they did with amillennialism, is that there's no literal fulfillment of it. Jesus is not here on the earth ruling and reigning. So you have to spiritualize it and say, oh, okay, he's in heaven ruling and reigning. And you have to change the entire meaning of what the Bible says in Isaiah 9, 6, as well as in Revelation of what's going on. And by the way, also, you'll note this, for those of you that want to do your homework, you will never find any of the prophets who ever spiritualized or allegorized the word of God, ever. They saw visions. They saw dragons, women in the heavens, all this. But everything had a literal meaning and so you knew exactly what he was saying and exactly what he meant because the prophet and or god made it clear by his word yeah 
Um, and the same thing is true with Jesus if you follow everything he taught. He never said anything that wasn't literal. If he talked about a door, he explained he was the way into heaven. He, never, he made it very clear he wasn't saying he was a piece of wood, okay? So when you look at Jesus and the prophets, if you take the word of God literally, you're going to find you're in very good company because that is the only way they ever explained Scripture or lived it out in, in the Bible. You know, it's interesting when you look at the writers of the gospel and even Paul, uh, you know, the revelations that they had is they talked about the good news of Jesus. Right. They were literally seeing the prophecies of the Old Testament come to life before them. Yeah. And so they saw these things happening. And basically the New Testament was, in essence, documenting the proof of what was prophesied in the Old Testament. That's right. And a lot of those things were in pictures or symbols or other names for the Lord, but they all had a, a little meaning. Another yeah. reason why you've got to take in well, all of Scripture. And again, the saying, hence the saying, the Old Testament is the Bible concealed, the New Testament is the is the Old Testament revealed. So mm. the New Testament is yeah. concealed in the Old, the Old is revealed in the New, and that's how it works. And so again, yeah, I, I, I think you're, the only safe way, and you know, if you, again, even with this whole subject of literalism, this is where cults come from. If you get with a group of people that don't take the Bible literally, what it means is it opens the door. It doesn't have to become a cult. But it opens the door to whoever is the best speaker and has the most charisma to tell you what it, and I'll put this in quotes, to tell you what it really means rather than what it says on paper. I'll, I'll stick with what it says. And the Bible tells us that the Bible will tell us what the Bible means. That's right. That's scripture right. interprets Scripture. Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Pastor Mark, our next question comes from Megan, who uh, consumes Signs of the Times there in Maryville. And she has a question about weather and wildfire. She says, I know the Bible speaks of pestilence and famine and disease in the end times, but what does it say about the weather? Given all the crazy weather events lately, wildfires in places that have never had them and extreme temps in different places and flooding events and so on and so forth, are these part of Bible prophecy? Yeah, what a, another great question. And I just want to real quickly point out something, uh, Megan, in Matthew 24, where it talks about famines, pestilence, earthquakes in various places in Matthew 24. That is definitely referring to, of course, n effects of nature and things that will be happening. Um, but probably the greatest definition I can give is the Bible says in the last days, the earth will be groaning, even as a woman giving birth to a child. And we think about a woman giving birth to a child. She has, you know, contractions. They get more frequent. They get stronger until the birth of the child. And what's going to happen is the Bible says the earth will have more and more contractions until the birth of the new kingdom. And so it's going to affect climate and nature greatly. So what you're seeing happen in the environment, by the way, has been happening off and on throughout Earth's history. It goes, you know, sometimes it's hotter, sometimes it's colder, sometimes there's more events. But what it's saying is, in the last days, you're going to see even greater intensity with greater frequency as we get closer to the return of Christ. And the Earth itself is going to um, manifest this because it is groaning for the new kingdom. Listen to what it says. Here's a verse for you, a few verses for you, or a couple rather, out of Romans 8, verses 20 through 22. Uh, Paul writes this, For the creation... The earth, that is, was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption. So when man fell, the earth was also cursed. Man was cursed, and the earth was cursed. And he says the earth will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. So when we're delivered, the earth will be delivered as well. For we know that the entire creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. So what you're seeing is with the earthquakes, the weather changes, all these things. I know it's popular today to say it's because man's ruining the planet. That has zero to do with it. Absolutely nothing to do with it. Can man pollute? Yes. Can man, you know, whatever. That can happen. And we do it at a, at a certain level. But the Bible says it is the earth itself that is groaning in nature. The earth itself is causing these environmental conditions because it is saying, I've had it. I'm done. I've been cursed long enough. We need the return of Christ. I want to be restored. Look, you guys want to be restored. I want to be restored. Let's get this thing show on the road. And so the earth is now basically grabbing its luggage saying, honey, it's time to go. Let's get to the hospital. Let's have this baby. And you're watching flooding. You're watching environmental changes. You're watching all kinds of things. The Bible explains it and the Bible predicted it. And now we're living it 
But the world not knowing prophecy, not knowing the Bible, they think that mankind is doing it. And now they're trying to pass all these laws and all these rules about climate change and what we're supposed to do. Listen, what is happening now was not supposed to drive people to spend more money and start rules and laws about the climate and the environment. The reason God is allowing what is happening right now was supposed to drive mankind to the cross. So they would say, oh, we see it happening. Everything you said that was going to happen in the last days, it's taking place. Lord, forgive us. We need to give our life to Christ. We know the earth is groaning. We know that it's going to be more catastrophe and more creation things. We want you to come back. And so it should be used as a tool to drive man to God. Instead, it's driving man to man to come up with ideas about how we can fix what only God Almighty can maintain and what only God Almighty can fix. He alone is the controller of the aquarium. He alone he alone controls all things and has all authority. And it's crazy for us to think that we have any ability to do that whatsoever. And that's not even the intention of what's going on or the consequence of what's going on right now. Okay, now that kind of encapsulates what Jesus was talking about in Matthew 24. Now let's go into Revelation for a minute and give the contrast of the natural disasters that are depicted Absolutely. in Revelation and the purpose and point behind those disasters, yeah. just to give the complete picture of how God is using and will use the earth to fulfill prophecy. That's a great point, Greg, because we are going to see the earth now moving toward this whole nature-changing direction, environmental-changing direction. God predicted it. The earth is groaning. We knew this was going to happen. But now it's going to move into phase two. When we get into the Great Tribulation, the Bible says in the final three and a half years before Jesus Christ comes back, God himself is going to begin to destroy nature. It's not going to be the earth groaning. It's going to be God groaning, saying, I've had it. What chapter is that in Revelation, by the way? Well, you, uh, there, it's actually it, covers, it actually covers multiple, multiple chapters, chapters of, of okay. God pouring out yeah, the bowls, the gotcha. seals, the trumpets. Okay. Yeah. So, but here's the bottom line. There is, there are some, there is a specific uh, one where you see certain things poured out. I remember one of you titled Oceans, your teaching Global trees. Harming. Yes. And I, think, I don't remember if that was Revelation 6 yeah, or whatever it was. It's really anyway. an overlapping thing. Okay. But yes. anyway, but here's the bottom line. You know, people talk about man, Greg, destroying the environment. Um, the reality is the earth is now groaning, which is why we're seeing the upheaval in the environment. But when the time comes, it won't be man responsible for destroying the environment. It will be God himself. And the Bible says in Revelation, God will destroy the environment. God will destroy the oceans. God will destroy the trees and the grass and burn them up. God will send asteroids or, or meteorites. We don't know which two on the earth. He'll send hailstorms. All these things. He's going he's gonna to turn water to blood. I mean, it'll be like God judging the gods of the earth, even like he did in uh, Egypt. Egypt, yeah. Because mankind is now worshiping the creation rather than worshiping God. And God says, okay, you're going to worship my creation. I'm going to destroy my creation. I'm going to destroy the gods you're looking to, even as I destroyed the gods of Egypt that they were looking to. And so if you think this is tough now, you wait till you see after the rapture of the church when God comes and destroys the environment. Let me tell you something. When God starts destroying the environment, I don't care how much you spend on global warming. I don't care how much you tax. I don't care how much you change environmental laws. I don't care what you do. You are going to lose massively. God will burn the trees. He will burn the grass. He will pollute the oceans. He will pollute the rivers. He will send in things. I mean, God's going to do that because it's a judgment of God after the rapture on a world that says, we don't want Jesus Christ. We hate Jesus Christ. And they're shaking their fist at God. And God says, if that's what you want, here comes your judgment. And so, yeah, this is phase one of something that's going to get a lot worse at the hands of God Almighty. And the good news is at the end of the seven years, Jesus will return. Yes. He'll, he'll, he'll bind Satan in the false prophet, and everyone's in temporary jail, so to speak. Yeah. He's going to set his foot on the Mount of Olives. Yeah. It's going to split open. Healing waters are going to come out, and he's going to restore the earth. Yeah, how can we leave out the restoration? And yes. what's interesting, that is when, we talked about all millennialism, that is when Satan will be bound. When Jesus comes back, Satan really will be bound for a thousand years. He won't be able to affect mankind yeah. or to haunt us or whatever. Yeah. As you said, Jesus will restore the earth, and part of it will be those waters flowing from the southern side of the throne. It's going to hit the, the Dead Sea, it'll spring to life. It'll hit the oceans of the Mediterranean. The oceans and rivers will come to life. Uh, things are going to bloom again. It says bloom will be in yeah. the desert. The deserts will bloom. If the Dead Sea is 
has come to life right now, yeah. then we've got a problem theologically. There you go. But it's dead. That's right. Because again, during the millennial kingdom, yeah. the Dead Sea will be alive. That shows another reason all millenni- millennialism is false and wrong. But so the good news, Greg, and that was a great yeah. turnaround. I'm glad you brought that up because that brings the point of, yes, we talk about the destruction that God's going to bring, but God is also going to bring great restoration and it's going to be a beautiful restored earth with clean air, clean water, beautiful trees, beautiful plants, beautiful Jesus, worship and praise for a thousand years, and I can't wait. <laughs> That's good. Yes. Pastor Mark, our next question comes from Ankana, and uh, it's really a two-parter, but here's the first part. Uh, my longtime friend of almost 30 years is now pursuing a master's in divinity. When I found out that she chose leadership, management, and pastoring as her major, I sent her your teachings on the role of women in the church from your Come to the Table episodes that the two roles not for women and pastor are, that are not for women uh, are pastors and elders. Right. She told me that her Presbyterian church allows women to be ordained as a either a preacher, a pastor, or an elder. She said they believe that women at that time, and I suppose at the time that the writings were done in the Bible, were not educated, but only men were. Does the Bible state clearly about the role of women? And, of course, Ankana is a little confused here because her friend loves the Lord and has been sharing the good news with her. Yeah, well, you know, again, I, I want to say this um, um, straightforwardly, but also in, in in not too harsh of a way as well. It doesn't really matter what any denomination or 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 seminary or person believes. It really doesn't matter. It only matters what God believes, and it only matters what God's word says. It doesn't matter whether somebody's in this particular instance. It's not about education or lack thereof between men or women. It is simply a stated fact by the word of God on Kana. And, and here's where I want to read it to you. And I want to explain why this transcends all cultures. It transcends all education. It transcends all colleges, seminaries, whether men were educated or women educated. It makes zero difference. Listen what Paul said. Uh, writing to Timothy, young pastor Timothy, he's giving him pastoral counsel. Uh, first Ch- Timothy chapter two, speaking about how the, the church is supposed to operate, uh, starting in verse 12 of chapter two, Paul says this to Timothy and to us today. He says, and I do not permit a woman to teach or have authority over a man, but to be in silence. That is in the church. It doesn't mean that women can't speak and it's nothing oppressive there. It's just the wording of the way he used. Now let's stop there for just a moment. If you stop there and that's all we had, the argument by uh, her denomination and her seminary could could have a, probably a very good argument. And that is, well, maybe the women were educated. And so what Paul was saying is, you know, well, women aren't educated, so I don't allow them to be a teacher because we want to make sure that whoever's teaching really knows the Bible and really is educated. But Paul goes on to explain this transcends all educations, all universities, all cultures. He takes this back to the Garden of Eden. By the way, in the Garden of Eden, there were no seminaries. There was no difference in education. There was no there was no culture. Two people can't have a culture. They're two people. But listen to what he said. He says, for, and again, now he's explaining why he didn't let a woman teach. For, Adam was formed first. He's going to give a couple of reasons here. Adam was formed first, then Eve. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. Nevertheless, she'll be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith, love, and holiness with self-control. That's kind of a, a, a hard verse. I don't know that anybody fo- completely understands, but it is a promise of God that he will save the woman in childbearing. A lot of women died during childbirth in that day uh, because of medical and uh, lack of understanding. And he's saying, look, you're faithful. God will be faithful to your wife. I think it was more of a comfort to the husbands, and we won't get sidetracked there. But, but, but the main thing I want you to know, he gives two reasons. Well, I'm, and I'm going to give you three. First of all, he jumps back to the Garden of Eden. He says, for Adam was formed first, then Eve. Okay, now we're talking, this is the first two people ever created. So there's no, again, no seminaries, no education issues, no culture issues. This is the garden. Mankind just started. So he jumps back there to give the reason why. So now we know it's it's outside of any cultural or teaching or whatever context. Now he moves on to the two reasons outside of that. And within the context, he says, Adam was was not well first of all Adam was formed first then Eve so there seems to be an, a, an authority structure here God's laying out showing this is the role of the man as the leader to be the first one that kind of takes that authority and that teaching role you can still leave it open and say yeah well maybe the women still could men are just to be the main ones he goes on second reason Adam was not deceived but the woman being deceived 
fell into transgression. So the reasons that he gives outside of anything else is that Adam was formed first in God's order. So God gave him that position. And secondly, Eve was deceived, which would indicate, probably based on emotions, that women are more susceptible to deception. A man less emotional would not be. And because of that, he doesn't allow women to be in a role that would be leading the flock of God. All right, Pastor Mark. Wow. I heard the music. I had to stop. I I know you did. But we're going to continue when we come back on the second half of Signs of the Times. Don't go anywhere, folks. WIAMLP. 101.1 FM, Knoxville. You may be familiar with the award-winning stage play and movie, You Can't Take It With You. Hi, I'm Chuck Bentley with My Money Life from Crown Financial Ministries. This zany dramatic comedy from 1936 reminds us of an important point, that having a meaningful life depends more on how we live than on what we have, as Crown's founder, the late Larry Burkett, illustrates. In 2 Peter 3.11, Peter said, Therefore, seeing that all these things are to be consumed, what manner of men ought you to be? Paul said to Timothy, Timothy, remember this one thing, that as you have brought nothing into this world, so you shall take nothing from this world. I remember about a year after John D. Rockefeller Sr. died, John D. Rockefeller, when he died, was reported to be the world's wealthiest man. And about a year after he died, a reporter from the Wall Street Journal was doing an article on John D. Rockefeller. So he went to John D. Rockefeller Sr.'s chief accountant, his comptroller, and he said, I'm doing an article, I need some background information. One of the things he was interested to find out how much John D. Rockefeller was worth And he said, can you tell me how much he left? And his accountant said, I sure can. He left it all. See, that's all God wants you to put into perspective. That when you and I depart this earth, all that you have accumulated on this earth is of no value except that which was done in the name of the Lord. Nothing else is of any importance. If you've been helped by Crown or this radio station, can I ask you to support us? Radio remains one of the most efficient and effective ways to reach people today. Let's not take it for granted. A small gift will have a big impact. We'll use your gift to reach so many in need all over the world. If you already do support us, thank you for your generosity. You can begin giving today at crown.org. That's crown.org. A Moment of Grace with Ed Taylor. You see, no matter how bad things get, the safest place to be is right in the middle of God's will. No matter how bad things get, the safest place to be is to be abiding in Jesus. Listen to this. Just let it sink down. In Psalm 9, it says, The Lord also will be a refuge for the oppressed, a refuge in times of trouble. And those who know your name will put their trust in you. For you, Lord, have not forsaken those who seek you. For more biblical encouragement to help you grow deeper in your love relationship with Jesus, visit edtaylor.org. Again, that's edtaylor.org. A Moment of Grace with Ed Taylor is a presentation of Calvary Aurora. Signs of the Times now continues. Here again is your host. Welcome back to the second half of our weekly look at Bible prophecy in the world's news. These are the signs of the times for Friday, February, or February 23rd. (laughs) Believe me, we do not want to go back in time. Uh, July 23rd, 2021. Along with Mark Kirk, I'm Greg Hilt. Thanks for staying with us. Pastor Mark, Yes. let's wrap up the... Uh, Ankana's question about the role of women as uh, teachers, yes. pastors, elders. Uh, think of all of the church, you know, positions of of leadership. Yeah. And let's kind of like go through them and talk about that a little well, bit more. Yeah. Let me just finish up that yeah. question, yeah. and, and uh, we can discuss as much as you want beyond that. But I'm going to say this: when I talked about the possibility of maybe the emotion side of there, we don't know exactly. I can't say for sure that what it was. There's a lot of um, commentators. 
uh, speculate that maybe the emotional side of a woman, because they're more sensitive to emotions, could be the reason that she was deceived. It has nothing to do with intelligence. It has nothing to do with one being smarter or sharper or more able. It has to do with the way we're made. Men are made a certain way. Women are made another way. So I'll leave that up to the guys to you know uh, hammer that out, all the commentators to fight that out. But here's what I will say to wrap up that question. I will say this. The two main things are this. First of all, God gives a divine order as to why the man is to be the teacher and leader. And then we see that the reason the woman was not to do it ultimately was a consequence. He said, because she was deceived, I do not allow her to be in the position of a pastor or teacher. Now, you move on from there to elders, deacons, etc. And this is where it gets a little bit interesting. And just like a Bible teacher in ministry, let's say. Yeah, in any position, really. Um, can a woman uh, teach the Bible? Absolutely. There's nothing that says that a woman can't teach the Bible. Um, she can teach other women. Uh, she can do one-on-one discipleship with other women, this kind of thing. you know. And, and as, as far as that goes, there's no kids, prohibition. Kids' church. Yes, kids' church, exactly. But when it comes to being over men, authority over men or teaching men, that's where God says you can't do that. Now, it brings up the question, and we've talked about this before on the show, of like an Anne Graham Lotz or et cetera like that. There's nothing wrong in that either, and the reason being is Anne Graham Lotz is not going doing a Bible study somewhere as a pastor. She is spreading the gospel. She is reaching out uh, with the gospel um, at the same time, she, yeah, she may teach a certain passage. Here's what these verses say, but it's not the position of a teacher and or pastor. And that over she's doing a flock that. of, of God's people. Yes, yes, which really even kind of answers the second part of, of Ancanal's question. And that is the difference in sharing the gospel and preaching the gospel. Mm, okay. Uh, what yeah. she does is she preaches the gospel and she shares it. And here's the two, here's the difference in the two, Ancanal. In preaching, the word means to proclaim. It really speaks of like a herald, like, hear ye, hear ye. It's through Jesus Christ and the cross and the blood that you might be saved. And if you make a decision, you will be saved. There's preaching the gospel. Um, sharing the gospel is, hey, has anyone ever shared with you that Jesus Christ loves you, that he died for you on the cross? It's more of a one-on-one type thing, whereas the preaching is more of a proclamation of a larger top audience. So what she does, she goes out and she preaches the gospel. She proclaims it. Nothing wrong in that. So we have, for example, uh, Patty Hyde, who has a ministry to reach out to same-sex couples. Uh, she travels around speaking in churches. She will be here in September speaking in our church on Sunday morning to our regular congregation. But she's not doing a Bible study. She's not uh, in a position of a pastor. She is a woman who is sharing about how we can love this community and lead them to Christ, uh, you know, coming from that background. So... Um, those are the some of the limits. So then how does it break down? Uh, pastors and elders, the Bible says that is to be men. Um, and as far as deacons, you can have women that are involved in that. A deacon is, just means a servant. So you can have a, a deacon or deaconess. Now, in the South, I need to add a clarification on this. In the South, oftentimes, um, deacons are really what the Bible refers to as elders. It's really just there's nothing wrong biblically in what they're doing. It's just the the terminology and the definition. For example, biblically, pastor and elder is the same thing, except one is the pastor that teaches the flock and has the authority. The elders are the men who have that spiritual authority over the flock. And then deacons, the word diakonia or or diakonos, there's different words used there. It just means a servant. They could be somebody that's spiritual but serving in the church. Oftentimes, for whatever the reason, in the South, you'll find people refer to elders as deacons. Nothing wrong there. Everybody has the proper structure in their church. I'm not criticizing the structure and everything's in order. What Mm -hmm. I'm saying is the biblical usage of the words is oftentimes in the South not accurate, and that can get confusing when I say there can be deacons and deaconesses because those that may be in a church who refer to their elders as deacons will, will say that, well, you just said that women can be elders. No, no, no. I'm not saying women can be elders by calling them a deaconess. The biblical definition of a deaconess is a female who is a servant in the church, but does not have authority over the men. So you can have pastors and elders, only men, deacons, deaconesses can be women, women can teach other women, and that's pretty much the structure, and children, and there's the layout of God's order in the church and in the home. And a church deacon, as defined scripturally, is still a servant, and even though it's a male deacon, so to speak, versus a deaconess, he's not in a position of church leadership. That's right. That's exactly right. And I'll give you a couple of quick biblical examples. The deacons in Acts chapter 6, it said, choose for you seven men to be servants. It's the word diakonos, diakonos, they're deacons. But then we see when Paul talks about, um, uh, Paul writes about the deaconess. Tell the deaconess I said hello. So we see that biblically deaconesses are accepted. 
accepted as servants as well. And so we see both examples in Scripture. You probably have a lot of deacons or deaconesses in your church, and they're doing the work of a deacon. They just don't have the title. There you go. There There you you go. go. All right, great questions. If it spurred more questions for you, listening or watching, we encourage you to go to the WayMedia.net or the WayMedia app. Just look up the Signs of the Times section, and you will see right there where you can submit your prophecy question to Pastor Mark or read our Frequently Asked Questions. All right, let's get into articles, Pastor Mark, because time is a ticking, and we've got plenty of things to talk about. I'll try to go quickly. That's okay. All right, uh, Israel, uh, this is from jpost.com. Israeli uh, Prime Minister Bennett is backtracking on the Jews' religious freedom on the Temple Mount. What is all that about? Yeah, well, recently he made a comment about the fact that the Jews could go up there and pray, which is huge because, as you know, the uh, Palestinians, the Arabs around there don't want them up there. A statement from the Prime Minister's office after Jewish visits ended on Sunday seemed to acknowledge or even endorse Jews praying there. Now, again, before I read any more of the article, realize... Yes, could Jews go up there? They can, but they go up, and if they do, they usually do it in small numbers. They get yelled at. They're not allowed to pray. They can't do anything. He was encouraging them to go up and pray. They were going up and praying. They have been going up and praying, and the Israeli police have been protecting them for a little for some time now. It's kind of under the radar of the main um, mainstream media, so to speak. But this is something that, again, we know we're working toward that because the Jews will be back up on that temple mount praying with a temple here in the last day. So these are the headwinds of what's coming. Uh, The article goes on, the status quo on the Temple Mount has not changed, the Prime Minister's office clarified on Monday, revealing a uh, a reversing a message affirming Jewish freedom of worship at the holy site a day after sending it. And I quote, there's no change in the status quo, Prime Minister Naftali Bennett spokesman uh, Matan Sidi said. This is the uh, continuity from the last government and their policies on the Temple Mount. The status quo on the Temple Mount refers to allowing non-Muslims to visit, but not to pray. While Muslims can pray in the Al-Aqsa Mosque and in the outdoor spaces around it. However, small groups of Jews have been quietly praying on the Temple Mount uh, uh, since 2019 with the Israeli police basically ignoring it. So they're letting it happen. Here's what happened. Uh, it, it was it was a, a, a celebration, Greg, really kind of a, a morning celebration of Sunday was the day that uh, the, both of the temples were destroyed on in Jerusalem. Uh, the, the same day of the year, at different times, obviously, two temples destroyed, and it represented the loss of the temple, the loss of prayer, the disconnection to God or whatever. So to go up there and pray on that day is kind of like saying, let's reestablish it. The day it lost, let's rebuild, let's redo it. So they were going up there symbolically to do that. Prime Minister Bennett not only allowed that, Prime Minister Bennett encouraged that. And then when he got called on it, he backed off and said after it was done, well, you know, I'm not changing the status quo. Um, You know, Muslims can pray. Jews can't. But, you know, everybody in the nation, wink, wink, nod, nod. We know that we're going to do it. And that's what's happening. But so that's why it was very interesting. But what makes it prophetically interesting is we know this is where it's going. They are going to get back up there. They are going to get to pray again. They're even going to institute their sacrifices again. And that's going to be a part of the Antichrist and the last day. So watching this happen, again, headwinds of the coming storm is, is a pretty exciting. Our next story kind of dovetails into that. Uh, this is from timesofisrael.com. Uh, where uh, the uh, Islamic uh, Party, uh, Raham, um, don't know if I'm saying that correctly, uh, saying that the Alaska Mosque is solely the property of Muslims, and I didn't realize that was ever in any dispute. Well, again... And prophetically, I think that holds true. Yeah, again, remember when they recaptured Jerusalem, they actually had the Temple Mount, the Jews did, but they gave it back to the Jordanian Authority... Uh, right. Yeah. yeah. To to watch over it because they didn't want there to be further war, and they knew that everybody got upset because the Alaska Mosque. But obviously, they're going to come out and they're going to say, "Wait a minute, we're going to condemn this. You're praying on the Temple Mount. The Islamist Ra'am Party condemned the ascent of hundreds of what is called Jewish settlers to the Temple Mount on Sunday morning during the observance of Tishbaav. Now, Tishbaav is that is the day. Remember, both temples were destroyed. The ninth. Yeah. Uh, the Alaska Mosque in its 144 dunams is solely the property of the Muslims. 144 dunam is a measurement, and the dunam is, interestingly enough, dunam is the Turkish measurement, and was the ancient Turkish measurement used for the Temple Mount. So what they're saying is it still belongs to the, to, you know, the, the, the Arabs, and every 144 dunams belongs to us, every inch of land, you might say. It's the property of Muslims. No one else has the right to it. The Islamic Party said a joint statement with its parent organization, the Islamic Movement. The Al-Aqsa Mosque is the third holy site, but the Temple Mount is Jerusalem's most holy site. Again, the article goes on to talk about the clashes that they had 
1,600 Jewish Israelis ascended the hilltop to observe the holiday as per tradition. And they even, Greg, had some of their Congress up there. They call them MKs, uh, but they had some of their Congress. It'd be like some of our senators or uh, you know congressmen showing up in something that was very um, you know sensitive or, 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 or agitating here in America. They showed up. They prayed. And um, again, Ram said such acts could lead to renewed escalation between the Israelis and Palestinians. And I don't know how much worse it could get. But anyway, the incident also comes at a particular sensitive time with Muslim Palestinians set to observe Eid al-Adha, one of the holy sites, uh, holiest times of the Islamic calendar. That is their regular uh, pilgrimage to Mecca. And what they say is this prior to Ramadan. Yes, and they say the celebration of when Abraham sacrificed Ishmael. So they're about to have Eid al-Adha, and it happens at the same time. So extra sensitive, but I think very prophetic. Okay, in America, Pastor Mark, uh, Senate Leader Mitch McConnell is urging Americans to get vaccinated ASAP yeah. or risk another shutdown. Yeah, this is from TheBlaze.com. Isn't that something? They're talking about shutting down again, mask again. On Tuesday, the Associated Press reported McConnell urged Americans to ignore what he said was demonstratively bad advice from pundits, pundits and proponents of the anti-vaccine agenda. During his weekly Capitol Hill news conference, McConnell said, if there's anybody out there willing to listen, get vaccinated these shots need to get into everybody's arms as rapidly as possible or we're going to go back to a situation in the fall that we didn't yearn for and that we had last year um again he tweeted a video of his remarks and captioned get vaccinated these shots need to get into the arms as quickly as possible here's the thing look again not to get off on the subject of vaccines but uh, the bottom line is, is you're seeing more and more pressure about the vaccines uh, taking place as greg even now more and more information is coming out that put concerns out there about the vaccine and let me just say one thing the vaccines are obviously not as effective as everybody thought because 40% of those that have had two vaccinations in the UK have now, are now 40% of them are people that have had the shots and they're getting COVID. People here in America. Getting that Delta variant. Yes, here in America getting COVID. We had those, remember the, that Demo, the Democrats that fled from Texas and went to make this political statement going to Washington. They spread COVID on the airplane. They gave it to people there in, in DC. And so the bottom line is, is that the shots, Yes, they're helping some. I realize that. I'm not saying the shots aren't helping. I think if somebody's in a, a, a very dangerous place where you could die from getting COVID, you need to very seriously look at whether you should get the shot or not. It may be the wise thing for you. But the reality is there's going to be more and more pressure. And why is this a prophetic thing? Let me see. Let me wrap this up because I know we have several articles to get to. Here's why this needed to be in here prophetically. It's not about the shot on this show. It's about this. The Antichrist, when he shows up, will make the entire world take a mark on the forehead or on the hand, and this is conditioning for that mindset. If we can get the world to get a mindset of everyone needs to participate in this event that is something medically or something that happens to your body, then now when the Antichrist comes along and says, now for the good of the world, not only vaccines, <laughs> we all need to take this mark, the world is prepped mentally yes. and they're going to be much more conditioned. Uh, yes, conditioned to go along. So this is why this has prophetic significance. All right, let's get into some One World Government news. And this is really kind of more of a Matthew 24 wars and rumors of wars. Uh, from Newsweek.com, China officials are sharing a viral video calling for the atomic bombing of Japan. Yeah, this is huge. Yeah. Well, again... I mean, me, that's crazy talk. Yeah, let me read some of it, and I'll give you the prophetic significance. The Communist Party, again, there in China, are advocating continuous atomic bombing on Japan after a social media account shared the controversial viral video over the weekend. The video calls for Beijing to launch nuclear strikes on Japan. And again, they're trying to scare them because they've already had you know the atomic bombs dropped there. Uh, if Tokyo intervenes in Chi- a Chinese invasion of democratic Taiwan. Remember, the Chinese, their goal is to take over the world. They've been very, very open about that. And they want to take Taiwan back as a part of that. And so uh, Japan saying, wait a minute, this is in our backyard. We don't like this. We may fight this. And China saying, if you do, we're going to bomb you with nuclear weapons. The commentator points to recent remarks by high-ranking Japanese officials as the motivation behind his proposal. Uh, Japan's defense minister, Nobuo Kishi, and his deputy, Yasuhide Nakayama, uh, have spoken in support of Taiwan's security in the face of an increasingly assertive China. And I quote, When we liberate Taiwan, if Japan dares intervene by force, even if it only sends one soldier, one plane, one ship, we will not only return fire, but we will start a full-scale war against Japan. And again, talking about nuclear weapons. First, we will use nuclear bombs. 
We will continue to use nuclear bombs until Japan offers its second unconditional surrender. So there's kind of a little bit of a wow, slap there. Wow, a little slap historically. To, yeah. Yes, it is. Now, so here's the bottom line. What, what is the historical or the prophetic significance in the last days? Wars and rumors of wars. Now, watch, and we'll see. Again, it's, this is only one, so you can't say this is the, an, a contraction of that. But if we start to see more events now over the next couple of yeah. weeks about war and rumors of wars, we may be heading into that contraction, and only time will tell. Well, and you know, the Bible speaks about a fr- fragile economy in the end times, and the majority of semiconductors are manufactured in Taiwan. Interesting. All right, let's get into some growing anti-Semitism. Uh, and again, we have been listening to this show over a period of time. We have been reporting over the last several weeks exponential percentage increases in anti-Semitic attacks and behavior across the globe. And this is just another example. This is from the Jerusalem Post. Anti-Semitism has risen 365% in the United Kingdom. But they're specifying why in this report, because it was due to the recent Israel-Gaza conflict or uprising or whatever you want to call it again it just shows how successful the media has been at making israel look like the bad guy when they're the ones being attacked by gaza unbelievable why is this significant prophetically because again remember growing hatred of the jews and israel in the last days the bible says i'll hit on this briefly because there's not we've covered it before but the uk suffered its worst ever outbreak of anti-semitism in a one-month period from may to june this year since they've been keeping records since 1984 Massive increase of 365%. Uh, the, uh, the actual rise in percentage from uh, month to month, the conflict was May 8th to June 7th. Again, 365%. Keep your eye on that. You're going to see continual hatred toward the Jews. And again, last days said it's going to happen. Uh, I think it was Megan. Yes, uh, Megan had the uh, question in the first half regarding wildfires and natural disasters and uh, Megan your question submitted today really couldn't have been more timely yeah. uh, because our remaining articles for today have to do with just that yeah uh, this is from the blaze.com 12 dead after a record-breaking China uh, has rain uh, rains flood railway tunnels trapping commuters uh, and uh, some of them were saying that their water rose from our ankles to our Knees yeah. to our necks. Terrifying. terrifying. Absolutely terrifying for what happened there. But again, this is interesting before I even jump into this, yes. Greg, because last week we saw the uh, uh, some other floods beginning, and we'll get to it in a moment. But we talked about, is this the beginning of a contraction or just a flood in a nation? Now we're seeing it spreading to multiple nations. I want our uh, Signs of the Times listeners to recognize when it is a contraction, it'll start happening in groups around the world, not just something in America. Not localized. Right, something in China, something in China. No, it's around the world. When you see it happening everywhere, let your spiritual glasses come on. You're probably seeing a contraction. Videos showed uh, evening commuters trying to keep their heads above rising water. Uh, the clip also showed floodwaters bursting through an entryway and onto commuter platforms. Again, horrifying. BBC, because we're down in this, could be drowned to death underground. BBC News said that more than 500 people were rescued from the railway tunnels in, Henan, in the Henan province. And days of rain led to 200,000 evacuations and widespread damage. Here's from the media outlet over there. Above ground, roads have been turned into rivers with cars and debris swept along fast-moving currents. In total, 25 people have died in the Henan province. Um, dozens of cities affected. Uh, President Xi uh, Jinping said on Wednesday there had been a significant loss of life and property damage. Several dams and reservoirs have breached warning levels. Soldiers have been mobilized to divert rivers which have burst their banks. Flights and trains in many parts of Henan suspended in the provincial capital Zhengzhou. I may be saying that wrong. The equivalent of a year's average rainfall has fallen in just three days. This is biblical proportion flooding. It's happening around the globe. MSN.com, Pastor Mark reporting almost 200 dead and many still missing after floods, after, after floods as Germany is counting the devastating costs. Again, not just in China, but Germany. Here's where we see the larger scale prophetic import of the, of the contraction here. Um, again, almost 200 people dead, more than 700 injured with still many missing on Monday as Germany counted the cost of the devastating floods and asked whether more could have been done to save lives. Torrential rain led to severe flooding and destruction across Western Europe. 
Europe, wreaking havocs in parts of Belgium, Netherlands, Germany. So notice this, not just Germany and China, Netherlands, Belgium, uh, all these areas be a natural disaster, one of the worst in decades as the floods came in. As the death toll continued to grow, the country grappled with what to blame from climate change to political leaders. Officials confirmed the deaths of at least 117 people in the worst affected German region, uh, bringing the total confirmed dead to 196, with another 749 injured as of Monday. This is massive. Another 46 were killed in the neighboring state of North Rhine-Westphalia, and at least two people died in the southern state of Bavaria, while, 30, uh, while 31 were killed in Belgium. So again, I believe we're seeing a, a, a flood contraction happening before our very eyes. Wow. Our last article, Pastor Mark, is kind of a summary of uh, China and Germany, and really this article talking about in other places around the world. Yes. Uh, and this is from Yahoo.com, a summer of disaster. Uh, extreme weather wreaks havoc world worldwide as of course they're saying as climate change bears down yes. we already covered what's bearing down that's and that's right. the earth groaning that's per, right. this, per god and look there may be climate change but it's not climate change caused by man, man. it's climate change caused by a earth that is groaning number one and it will be climate change caused by a god that is judging number two and yeah. that'll be later yes extreme weather this summer has flattened rural communities in germany it says with floodwaters triggered uh, deadly mudslides in india Notice this is that we're looking at multiple nations here now environmentally and sparked heat waves and fires that can be seen from space in the western United States and Canada. Floods have also wrought damage in parts of New Zealand, Nigeria, and Iran. Again, worldwide event. Scientists have been warning for years that rising temperatures will make dry conditions for wildfires, wildfires more common in some parts of the world and in other places trap more moisture in the atmosphere, leading to heavier rainfall during storms. Those conditions could cause more volatile events like the downpour over London on July 12th, and about a month's worth of rain fell on parts of the British capital during there, leading to flash floods that paralyzed streets and forced the partial closure of the underground rail system. Scientists say global warming almost certainly exacerbated the conditions. However, we at Science of the Times will say, no, uh, the earth groaning has exacerbated the conditions of the floods that ravaged Germany, Belgium, Netherlands last week, killing at least 180 people. Parts of Western Europe were battered for two months worth of rainfall in two days. And again, these are massive downpours, Greg, is what's happening, leading to overflowing rivers and torrents of flood water that toppled century-old buildings and saturated farmland that collapsed into giant sinkholes and churned into the earth. The bottom line is mankind needs to not look at this as how can we fix it as much as mankind needs to say, look, we need to repent. We need God. We need to all cry out to God and turn back to God because we see the earth now coming to a close. We see it groaning. We see the return of the Lord near. We see everything Jesus Christ said was going to happen happening. The result should be we need Jesus Christ. We need to repent of our sins. We need to turn to the cross. And instead, you're going to see more and more money poured toward uh, climate change, uh, global warming, environmental things. More, more controls over mankind. More politics, more totalitarian measures. Why? It's all leading to that one, one world, world leader out of Europe and that one world government. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and let's remind our listeners, too, prophetically, as we follow the timeline in the Bible, that the one world government has to be in existence prophetically before the Antichrist comes on the scene yeah. and is elevated to the position of world leader yeah. as the bible describes and let's not forget that the church was birthed in a one world government rome ruled the world yeah. at the time of jesus christ when he walked the earth and the bible is basically telling us the church is going to go out that's right with a one world government it really is and greg it's yeah. interesting I, I know we don't have a lot of time to develop yeah. it but i will say i've been studying the roman early roman government it's amazing the very same things similarities are, oh i mean the very same things right get this they were concerned about environmental issues at the early roman empire and they were blaming the christians for increasing the problem <laughs> shocking this is going to happen yes. we're going to again because of, be, because yes. of things i'm sharing right now yes so exactly. you christians are you're not taking action no yeah. no it's because we know god and we know the bible and, and my appeal to you today is, do you know God and do you know the Bible? Listen, somebody may be listening right now, and for the first time, God has opened up your eyes to the truth. And you realize, you know what? I, I need God. I see what's happening in the world, and I hear the Bible, and I hear you guys on the radio and whatever means you're listening. And you know what? I see this is really happening. And it's not driving me to greater environmental concerns. It's driving me to the cross. 
Jesus died for you. All you have to do is go to him right now and say, I believe you died for me on that cross, that you spilled your blood for me on that cross, and I receive it now personally for me, from my heart. Lord, will you forgive me of my sin? Will you be my Lord and Savior? I repent of my sin. I turn from my sin, and I choose now to follow you. And the Bible says if you do that, you not only be saved and have your sins forgiven and have joy now, but you have your place forever reserved in heaven, and the Lord is waiting on you to make that decision. So I encourage you, make that decision today. Don't leave this program without making that decision, and you've only got a short amount of time left, so make the decision for Christ. That would be my appeal today. Absolutely, Pastor Mark. And when you do that and you cry out to God, the Bible says that Jesus will guard your heart and mind. And uh, we need that in today's environment as well, because there's lots of fear and lots of things going on. So the Bible has all the answers, fortunately, thanks to Jesus. Thank you, Pastor Mark. Thank you, folks, for listening. Don't forget the WayMedia.net and the WayMedia app are the best ways to consume Signs of the Times, as well as other content that we provide out of Calvary Knoxville, including our radio station, WIAM. 24-7, all Bible, all the time. We love you guys, and we'll see you back here next Friday at 1.30 for more Signs of the Times. Bravery lets you do things you never imagined possible. It's what you need to begin your walk with God. It delivers confidence in following. Bravery is the decision you can embrace when God says to stand firm, be bold, don't be afraid. Bravery banishes worry, anxiety, panic. If bravery is the strength you need, then you need to know that this is God's gift to you. Only God can offer the bravery you need. WIAM 101.1 FM, The Way.